Welcome to My Teacher Friends Podcast. My name is Rachel, and I am a middle school choir teacher. I'm so excited to be hosting this podcast to share stories, teaching tips, and inspiration. Each week, I'll be joined by one of my smart, talented, passionate teacher friends for a conversation about all things education. Join us, because there's no job as challenging or as rewarding as being a teacher. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my first official podcast. Before I get started with my conversation with Elise, I just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in and giving me a chance. This is my first time doing a podcast, and it's been many months in the making. Right now, I'm recording this in December on my winter break. The conversation I had with Elise took place over Thanksgiving break back in November. Now, as a longtime listener of my Teacher Friends podcast, my good friend John presented me the opportunity to host this podcast back over the summer, I think, and in classic teacher fashion. Here I am, finally getting it out to all of you um, just in time for the new year. So (laughs) I apologize for my delay, but I am happy to be here now and... Let's dive right in. Enjoy the first podcast. Today, I'm joined by my good friend, Elise. I've known Elise for just over nine years now. Let's get started with a little bit about you. Can you share your educational history, where you went to school, and what other professional jobs you've had leading up to where you are today? Yeah, but first I need to pick my job off the floor um, because nine years, that's a really long time. I uh, grew up in Wisconsin and also went to college at UW-Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Um, I was pursuing vocal and general music education. I think I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. I grew up with a mom who was a teacher and would get a lot of school-related gifts Um, Like I had my own little school desk and workbooks and whatnot. And going into college, it was a decision for me of, do I want to be a classroom teacher or a music teacher? And I chose music and I'm having having a blast. Um, I was really one of the really fortunate people who student taught in Chippewa Falls and then like someone had a maternity leave right away. So um, I was student teaching primarily at middle school choir, which is my jam, that's where I'm at. And then um, was able to transition to spend the last few weeks of student teaching at an elementary level so that I could go be a K-5 music sub. And holy guacamole, if you know an elementary teacher, any subject area, buy them coffee, give them high fives, tell them they're awesome because they work their tails off. I'd say all teachers work hard, but wow, those elementary ones do the most. They are the angels of education, along with the school secretaries. I call them the angels. (laughs) Oh, and at my current school, my custodian, I like went to go hang stuff and he's like, I'll do that. Don't do that. Yes, custodians. Thank you, custodians. We love them. But anyway, I started teaching in Madison and now I teach in Stoughton. What do you remember about your first year or first couple years of teaching? Um, I remember coming home with stories. Um, I was living with my parents because I wasn't totally full-time and I was a lucky one who 
taught near them. So actually, thanks mom and dad for making student loans disappear faster. Um, but I would come home with these stories of all sorts of things happening. And um, they were always like, you should write these down. You need to write a book. Like one of them, um, at my position in Madison, I was at both a middle school and a little bit of time teaching at an elementary school. And I, I heard a tiny voice coming from the restroom, the little girl's restroom. I was like, help. <laughs> so I ran in there and this little child um, was sitting upon the porcelain throne and the automatic flush kept going off <laughs> and scaring her. So that was like my first time having a good story to bring home. And I was like, this is teaching. That is not what I learned in any class. It is rescuing first graders off of toilets. I think it's so important that, and I, I struggle with it. I'm not saying I do this well, but I think that we should be writing these stories down. Like we should have a designated journal that you just like quick jot down the funny things you hear because that is going to be something to look back on in years to come. And I need to remember to do that. So yes. um, what about just so far in your career? Is there a moment that sticks out that's been amazing and the opposite, like one of the hardest parts of your career up to this point? It's a great question. And you can answer either first. Yeah. Um, I think the hardest, well, so I, I am a white person. You can't see me. You can only hear me. I'm a white person. And the students I was teaching, the ones enrolled in choir, were m much more representative of our actual world. Um, and that being in being a minority person, which then I was, like I, I was in the minority um, in my classroom, I was quickly forced to look at all the ways in which I was highly engaged in white supremacist culture without knowing it. It was so painful, I think, in my first couple of years to be told by like a student, like, you're being racist. And to be fair to myself half of the time like it's just kids knowing a buzzword and saying it but the other half is very very accurate and I had a lot to learn and a lot of room to grow um so I would say like that wasn't awful it was just like painful in the moment but I looking back am so grateful to the students that like had the courage to just like go up to adult and be like, this isn't working for me. <laughs> like, that's impressive. I don't think I could have done that in middle school. Um, and I've faced a lot of my own, like the, just like the crappy parts of being a white person that you like didn't know you were being problematic when in fact, like you're really leaving a wake of harm um, if you're not aware. So I've learned and grown a lot from that really grateful, really grateful to those students because it shouldn't have to be kids coming to adults saying that you're a problem, but I'm better because of it. So thank you, thank you students. And to all of you who have helped shape me, thank you. Um, I'm a lot less racist and still know that I have room to grow. Um, and a great thing, well, you know, let's just like stay on the topic of race. I think that I was taught that when we talk about black and brown people, we only have to talk about, we only, we only ever do talk about 
bad parts like slavery and you overcame this and like hardships. And that is so untrue. And I think um, spending my first couple of years like learning like, oh my gosh, how can I celebrate? How can I lift up cultures that are different, that are different from my own? How can I learn from people that aren't me and like just celebrate other parts of life? Like why, why do we have to only talk about the negative and the rough stuff? So um, I just think like I have improved a lot as like my mind is more open. So I go into the world now um, looking for what we can lift up, which has been really, really awesome. Yeah. And I think that also plays nicely into a good reminder that you can literally learn from everyone. <laughs> you can learn from watching like little kids play together. You can learn from students telling you that you're not doing the job that they wish you were doing. Um, and you can learn from people far older than you. Like everyone, every day is an opportunity to learn, even as a teacher, which is very hard on the ego. Cause as the teacher, you go in wanting to be like- But we know everything. We come out of college and we are the smartest people ever. Oh yeah, lie, big lie. But yeah, so I think like, I just owe a ton of gratitude um, to all the students and families that I worked with in my first few years because they have very much shaped and improved who I am. That's amazing. Yeah, I was thinking before this call about how our first years of teaching were very different. We started teaching at the same time, but we were in completely different types of school districts and how much I had learned from you just by talking to you and like when we would see each other, the stories we would share. And then when I started my second job, being physically closer to you um, and teaching a new demographic, um, that I had not in the past. You have taught me so much and continue to teach me so much. And you're somebody who I know I can come to and be like, just ask you questions and be honest with you. And you've, you've given me some really, really good advice. So thanks for sharing that. Okay, moving on. So our next topic is teaching tips, where each of us will give one tip for the listeners to try. What's a teaching tip, something that has worked well for you in your classroom environment or for your own self-care right now? So maybe share something that's working well in the classroom and for your own self-care. Awesome. Um, I want to answer that. I just want to go back and say thank you for your kind words. And um, I would be foolish to not say that all anything good that I was able to pass on to you is the credit of black and brown students, educators, and families. So thank you to all of them for learning. Um, as far as what is going well in, for me, in this pandemic time, it is being relaxed about what needs to be done. I feel like one of the greatest gifts of being a music educator is that there's a lot of room to ebb and flow with the needs of our students. Um, so not feeling tied to like a performance has been really nice right now. Cause like we don't have like, this has to be done by the state. You have to know this music instead. It's like, what do you need? So I try to craft lessons with 
an intentional plan for the students to be able to be socializing together because like they don't get lunch breaks they don't get hallway time anymore um my middle school choir teacher uh when i was in eighth grade we got a new one and she was very inspirational and wonderful and she always said um i don't just teach music i teach life through music so the content is choir the content is learning music but it's the getting there of like building a community and, and learning from each other. Um, so yeah, being relaxed about what needs to be done. And in doing so, I also take it easy on myself in the planning. I have a fabulous library and media specialist at my school and she's introducing tons of great tech tools, but I don't always have to use them. And I don't always have to try the newest, greatest, shiniest thing. Um, because if I allow for time in, in my day to breathe, then I show up to class actually present to listen and hear students because I'm not exhausted from burning the candle at both ends. For and reading. just to be clear for the listeners, you are currently fully virtual, correct? Oh, yes. Yes. My district is 100% virtual. I also think it's really important that we have our students talking to one another because my district is also fully virtual and they're missing that socialization that they would normally have throughout the school day. So what I've been doing, and I kind of pick and choose um, one time to maybe three times per week. At the start of class, I'll have a question posed for the students and sometimes it's the most simple question to answer and sometimes we get a little bit more in depth. So I'll say as we start the class, okay, everybody, we're gonna go around and when I call on your name, unmute yourself, introduce yourself and answer the question. So like yesterday, the question was, what's one thing you're thankful for right now? And I talked to the students about how, even if you're having the best year ever or the worst year, like let's think about one thing that we can be thankful for. The fact that all of our computers are working right now. We're all on the Zoom call together. That's amazing, right? Um, sometimes just to get them talking and for the students who maybe are more shy, I'll pose a question that like it's a either or. So I'll be like, are you a morning person or a night owl? Morning bird, what is it? Early bird or a night owl? So they have to choose something. Um, and if they want to say both, that's great too. But just like something simple to get them speaking. I think is really important and then you know they can go off and be like oh so and so said this i agree here's something you know they can they can talk that way too so just getting the students talking and giving them a voice in this virtual format and what about self-care self-care some things that i've been doing for self-care well from the onset of the pandemic i said uh, hey everybody, I'm going to laugh because if I stop laughing, I'm going to cry. And that has actually, at first it was just like a self-preservation tool. And now it's kind of been a mindset shift because you can look at a situation and it could be one that's like, ha, ah, this is nervous laughter <laughs> or the tearful alternative of like, holy crap, how are we going to do this? But I'm finding that like when I laugh, it becomes like, okay here we go like put on the waders go into the the flood zone and let's like let's clean up this mess um and it makes 
something that seemed so overwhelming, a sort of like laughable SHIT show that we can just hop through. Um, and then the other thing I've been doing is just thinking about the word grace, giving myself grace, giving my students grace, grading with grace. Um, so personally, what giving myself grace looks like is honestly the term self-care. I have a mom who's a yoga teacher and in some weird twisted way in my mind that kind of like ruined meditation for me <laughs> because it became like such it was her thing and I wanted to be, I wanted to rebel. I wanted my own things. Um, so like when I hear self-care that kind of falls into like her yogi zone almost. And like, it just seems like such a funky buzzword that is used a lot. Um, so to me, giving grace to myself is like, oh, I bought a pint of ice cream today and I ate the whole thing. That's okay. Because a lot of other current or like coping mechanisms are taken away by the pandemic. Um, and life is just very different. And as long as like what I'm doing is not causing others harm or myself extreme harm, then um, it's, it's okay. Or like, you know, like with planning, if I feel like I have enough for like the upcoming day, I feel good, my students will learn, they will grow, they will be happy and healthy, great. Um, we can just move right along uh, and not, I don't have to like sit at my computer and stress forever. And um, with grading with grace, what that looks like. Uh, so I was emailing back and forth with a student who's been having some like internet issues. My school district has a number of students that live out in like the country or on farms. So internet has been questionable for a handful of students. And I was communicating with a student. It sounded to me like they may have put some effort into the task. I wasn't entirely convinced, but I said, you know what, you're communicating with me. You're only in sixth grade and you're figuring out how to email with the teacher. Um, so I'm gonna grade with grace and I'm gonna give you like the grade, I'm gonna ask you what grade you think you've earned on the work you've done and, and that'll be your grade. Um, and because we had that conversation that night, I got all the work submitted. Wow. So, it's that's, like, that's a win. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sometimes you just cut them a break, you know, like you don't know who's watching their siblings or who's parentless or, you know, I've been addicted to TikTok a couple days during the pandemic <laughs> and maybe they are too. It's hard to peel your eyes away from that kind of fun. Yeah. But yeah, grace, grace and laughter. Awesome. Well, yeah. And the grading system itself, that's something, you know, that's a whole other topic, but that's something that needs to be re-looked at just in our entire country. And if we can give, I love that you like ask the student, like, what do you think you earned on this? And I think we need to be asking that question more with our students because they need to take ownership in their work instead of just turning it in and being like, I'm done. Okay, here we go. Um, having that conversation with them, I think is really important. So that's cool. Mm -hmm. I did though, I was listening to Brene Brown on Spotify. I think her leading Daring to Dare Lead. Daring to Lead, yes. Uh, Love you, Brene. <laughs> uh, she brought up a point that like she had done this or, or the person she was interviewing, someone on the show had done like, give yourself a grade or, or a score or whatever that you think you deserve. And the women severely 
underscored themselves. So, and I've actually noticed that in my own class too, when it is a female, like if I have the whole class grade themselves, there's a, oftentimes a lot of like self-deprecation and like self-attacks in that. So I think there has to be two conversations of like, well, you really are a worthy, wonderful human being. And also tell me what you deserve. Right. It's a I just had nothing to grade in front of me. So I was like, give me your feedback. What do you think? Like, it sounds like you're working. Well, yeah. And it's trial and error, right? Like if we start using that approach and then we're discovering that one group is downgrading themselves more than others, like, why is that? And incorporating that into our teaching, like we got to fix that too. There's just always going to be something. So my self-care tip right now, honestly, there's a lot of things that I am enjoying doing right now for myself, but when I was thinking specifically about this conversation with you, Elise, over the summer, the, you know, we've all had our ups and downs throughout mm -hmm. life, but specifically 2020, and there was a day that you came over and you were like, can I help you do yard work? And we just like, it was like the hottest day <laughs> in like August, I don't even know, and uh, sweating, just so much sweat. And we were like taking a break in the shade and you encouraged me to seek out a new therapist. And I did, and you, you held my hand through that a little bit, which I think I needed. And I've been seeing this new therapist for a couple months now, and it's amazing. Hands down, the best therapist I've ever seen. And we are just making some really good strides and getting to the bottom of some of the problems I've been dealing with. And again, I owe that to you because I needed that little push and or encouragement and and it's been really good. So thanks for encouraging me to go back to therapy. Um, oh, I, found good, I found a good match. So I love that. Also, like if there was a topic on this podcast of like, what makes you rage in education? It is that right there. Like you during college, you helped me pass classes by <laughs> holding my hand and being like, okay, let's review what's due this week <laughs> and, and all of that. Um, and now here we are as like successful employed adults and sometimes we need handholding. Sometimes I see teachers not hold their students' hands and I get it that we need to prepare them for the world. But like, especially right now, I have 20 minute voice lessons once every other week with students. And I spent 15 minutes with one young man. Um, literally, I typed in the chat, here's what you need to say to your Alexa, to have him have Alexa remind you about your upcoming voice lessons. And we spent like 75% of the lesson making sure he knew when it was and how to go and no judgment from me, no anger from me, just like hold people's hands. We all need handholding. That is virtual, virtual handholding. Yes. Not <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, moving on. Are you ready? This is what I think is my favorite part to this. I mean, you're the first interview, so I don't know, but this was always the favorite part when I was the listener of the podcast and when I was interviewed. So we're going to play a little game. As a kid, I remember loving those third grade multiplication time tests. So yes. today yes. we're going to flip the deck and have a teacher time test. You have, you'll have 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can. 
Are you ready? Wait, I'm just like, okay, perfect. Okay. I, I love these tests. I'm okay, ready. I have my timer ready. It is set for a minute. Here we go. Favorite month of the school year? Ooh, probably April, because it's warm enough to go outside again and your students know and love you. And you know and love them. School lunch, always, sometimes, never. No, thank you. <laughs> Favorite thing to do in the summer that you don't do during the school year? Longer stretches of time between showers. <laughs> Teacher's lounge, always, sometimes, never. Uh, always on treat day, so sometimes. Um, otherwise, no, it can be toxic. First name of a student that had a huge impact on you? Ooh, Anaya. Going into school on the weekends, always, sometimes, never. Never, we are people too. A teacher that inspired you as a child? Miss Tomley, elementary music. And that is our time. Thank you oh. for playing. On to our next topic, advice. What advice do you have for someone entering their first years of teaching and someone entering their last years of teaching? All right. If you are a new teacher, my advice would be to be easy on yourself. The to-do list never goes away, ever. There is always, Rachel is like frowny face, head shake, like no, it does not go away. Um, that, yeah, there's always something you can do you're not gonna get it all done and that's okay. So be easy. And say yes to people that are offering to help you. Not burning yourself out in the first few years is how you will be able to offer help later. So take people up on their offers and seriously, be so easy. And therapy, all about that therapy. Because kids, a lot of our kids are gonna come with trauma, especially post pandemic. Holy cow, we have no idea what their lives have been like in their homes. Um, yeah, wow. Sometimes I like think about that and then I'm like, we're just gonna cross that bridge a little later. Uh, as for, uh, yeah, we're still in it. As for someone exiting the career, like they're in their last years, um, I guess I'm most comfortable talking to my own future self. So for my future self, I think I would say do the same things, like continue to say yes to people offering to help you. It pains me to see how we all have to, how we all feel, many teachers feel that we have to be all knowing, especially the older and further you get into your career. Um, so stay open, stay willing to listen and learn. Um, actually, that touches close to home. Last week I was auditioning for a virtual musical with a group I used to do musicals with. The vocal director is someone I used to babysit. What? Yes. So it's oh this huge ego trip that I love. Like, I love it. I love being like, yeah, Elise, Caitlin's going to know more than you. She's literally studying musical theater in college. You have so much you can learn from her. So, like, stay open. And, and it wasn't so scary turning in a vocal audition and being like, what if I accidentally mess something up? I'm a music teacher. I got to simmer down. So yes, learn from others. Okay. We're on to our last question. 
I'm a little sad. This is the first interview. I hope it saves, man. I really hope that you listeners right now are hearing this. If you're not, then it's all right. Okay. Well, can I have bought back for one sec? There Please. was one thing that I didn't share, which was in um, teaching tips. Yeah. In the classroom, one thing I've been doing is playing games and I've been very impressed with myself. I've made up a lot of games on the spot. So if you are also a virtual teacher, here are my top three. Number one, tic-tac-toe. Literally, you just tell your kids, we need four cameras on in a row or three on in a row, whatever your number you pick. And then you give them a countdown and then they have to turn their cameras on for a second. It's nice to know they're alive. Um, and they like weirdly love it. Second one, if you have access to Padlet, well, Padlet is free, so everyone has. Um, you can have a couple Padlets. Play Guess Who. You have everybody write a fact about themselves, and then you come back and try to guess. And then for my classes where a lot of them don't like to speak into the mic or have cameras on, I made Guess Who 2.0, which is where every single person turns their camera off. I renamed them all to like literally just a period. So it's just a dot. And then I pick three to five, depending on the class size to be numbers one, two, three, four, and five. And then in the chat, they start talking about themselves and we have to try to guess who it is. That is amazing. It's been so fun. It, and they're, it's silly. Oh, and then um, I do an extracurricular singing group. And in real life, if we had time at the end, I would just say, okay, you're done. Enjoy the last five minutes with each other. You can head out. And instead now I'm like, hey, you guys want to play Among Us? Because we got through our to-do list. Yes, the kids love that. I love it. It's so fun. I've been my kids, teachers like I, setting up clubs and stuff. And my kids even brought it up too. I was like, okay, I can look into it. I'll teach you how to play. It's so fun. And I had my kids do that. I gave them the last like five minutes to start a game. They emailed me the next day and said, we played for two hours. So they're <laughs> hanging out. Yeah. Sorry about that. It's more screen time. I apologize. But it like at least they're together. Thanks for letting me go on that team. So many fun games. I love that. And you can turn that into, you know, these are for middle school, but you can if you teach high school or elementary, there's ways to apply it to that specific grade level too. So I think all of those can apply to whatever you are teaching. I love it. Cool. Okay, our last question. What are you currently listening to, watching, and reading? Okay, um, so I'm a very emotional human being, so I love to listen to podcasts that hit you in the feels, and my favorite is Terrible Thanks for Asking by Nora McInerney. It's, it's great. She has people on, they talk about their stories. I love it. I'm watching Bob's Burgers. Mm. Oh my gosh. And yesterday I found that they have a whole playlist on Spotify. There's a diarrhea song. If you like potty jokes, go for it. <laughs> it's so funny. Middle school teacher. <laughs> you gotta like oh, also watching a lot of TikToks. Today I, I have a bearded dragon and I fell down the bearded dragon TikTok hole. It was great. And the next book that I'm reading, I have it on my shelf ready to be cracked open, is How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Thank you so much. Is there anything else you want to add before we finish up? 
just thank you, Rachel. I have loved uh, this time together. And for those of you, if Rachel didn't tell you this before, she was my maid of honor in my COVID safe distance mask on summer 2020 wedding. So it was the hottest day ever besides the day that you helped me do yard work, but it was the most beautiful. Everything was just perfect, as perfect as it could be. All right, well, I'd like to thank my guest, Elise, for joining me today. It's always such a pleasure to sit down and talk with you. Your students and your families you work with are really lucky to have you in their lives. This was so much fun. Thanks oh, so much. Thank you. And that's it for this episode of My Teacher Friends. Send me an email and let me know what you thought of today's episode, if you tried any of our teaching tips, and how they worked for you and your students at myteacherfriendspodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, remember, teacher friends, take a deep breath, relationships matter, and never stop being authentically you.